0: It, it's just weird, too, because, I mean, <sighs> Victor says, you know, why do Deleuzians all suck? Because they all sit there virulently disagreeing with one another. Hegelians are pretty bad that way, also. Marxists might be as bad as Deleuzians. Marxists, uh,
1: might, be, Marxists might be just as bad. But, yeah, in general, just, like... Just especially coming from the perspective of someone who, like, doesn't know Deleuze that well. But, you I mean, I know Marx better, for sure, yeah. and Marxists yeah. do suck. But it just is puzzling. Every time, like, I go and notice more and more, it just always seems, like, the worst. Like, when I see Deleuzean yeah. spaces, I'm just like, these people all seem like they suck. Like, Like, <laughs> like Why? And what then, about, and then I was. What th-
2: about Merleau Pontians?
1: Well, that's the other thing. I mean, i I know Merleau Ponty pretty damn well, especially the phenomenology of perception. And when I was in grad school in masters, my master's program for philosophy, I met a lot of professors and a lot of other people who are Merleau Pontians. Every time Merleau Pontian students came, they were always so chill, so cool. Like Merleau Pontians are way better than like they might be above average though in terms of like being just like, kind of defined like charitable. They might be like. It might also be the case that Mary Loponte is also like easier to read, maybe clearer. So there's like less room for interpret interpretive disagreement. I mean, there are some disagreements, but um, I actually remember once um, we had a guest speaker. It was a professor who's now at Queens. At the time, I think she was at Vanderbilt. Lisa Gunther. She's oh, gone on. Yeah. Yeah, she wrote this book about like solitary confinement from a phenomenological perspective. And I was actually thinking about maybe trying to reach out to see if she would come on. Yeah, the she, she's a big
0: deal in social legal studies. A lot of people when I was doing my PhD were big into her.
1: Yeah, so I, rem- and I remember we went to this dinner afterwards, like after her talk, and I was seated b- beside her. And I, I asked her, I was like new, like Mary Loponte, I was all excited. And I was like, you know, I've noticed that other people who are experts in something well, sometimes they'll be an expert on something and like disagree with it. Like you might have Heideggerians who don't really like agree with Heidegger. You might have like Hegelians who have problems with Hegel and like so on and so on. But I it felt like Meryl Lepontians often were just like, yeah, Meryl Lepontians is the best. Like he's right about everything. And I was like, have you met any Meryl Lepontians who don't agree with Meryl ponty on some major things? And interestingly, I mean, this is maybe this is a bad sign, but she was like, you're right. Like I haven't met any Meryl Lepontians who think Mary Leponti is wrong about something major in his work. He's a lot more affirmative of Kant, like uh, Matt yeah. said, but the intellectualist
2: par excellence that he hates is Descartes. So spe- oh, yeah. speaking of wax, Descartes, he's also combating the empiricists who say, if your mind's passive and it just flows in, then how do you know that wax is wax? Cause sometimes your impressions tell you that wax is a liquid. Sometimes uh, your impressions tell you that wax is solid. So how do you know that a soft or a liquid and a solid are both wax? That it must be my judgment. My judgment must be doing that inside my head. So I can't be passive because I know that they're both the same thing. The sensations alone can't tell the difference. And, And Merleau Ponty's response to this is just like, dude, everyone has seen wax melt and get hard again. You didn't have to like calculate that they're the same thing. Yeah, yeah
3: this I, I, this goes back to what we were saying in the last episode about seeing the house from all angles, right? Like you, ha- you have this piece of wax and you go from all of its qualities and the transformations to just this infinite set of qualities and forms and positions. And so again, you get the scientific piece of wax, as opposed to the everyday perceptual wax, which is what what we encounter when we're using candles.
0: Yeah, and I do think that while Kant is a huge step forward, and like Pill said, he's, uh, party is a lot more friendly to him uh, than he is to the kind of crude empiricist, uh, there is a sense in which Kantianism is a retreat from empiricism in the sense of being a retreat from the world uh, outside of us or external to us, uh, because the fixation of all Kantians then becomes, oh, uh, in this kind of Cartesian manner almost, uh, well, we need to examine the transcendental architecture of the mind and how it subsumes its experiences under these kinds of a priori judgments uh, that themselves have nothing to do with experience. Uh, and to, this is why he calls it intellectualism, right? To Ponti, this kind of retreat from the world of things in itself into the transcendental architecture, while really vital uh, in enriching our understanding, is still a retreat, right? We need to get back, uh, as Pill said, to the real worlds of things themselves uh, and recognize that you can't talk about a transcendental mind uh, that's somehow removed from its experiences because experiences still are constitutive, uh, in a certain sense, of that same architecture.
3: And Descartes really reproduced this in his idea, right? He's sitting in a room alone, like closed off from the world. He's got his little oven. Going to keep the room warm. Yeah, I like to picture him. He's writing a little bit of his meditations and he gets kind of stuck. He doesn't know what to write next. And he picks his ear a little bit with his finger and a big chunk of wax comes out on his <laughs> finger and he goes, Eureka! And then the next couple of pages are a fucking breeze. Yeah.
2: yeah, the problem with Kant in kicking it down to what Matt just called the uh, transcendental architecture, Merleau-Ponty calls that Kant's secret law which is kind of just hmm. kicking the can down to something else now that has to be explained. Where did where did that architecture of your mind come from? Because, of course, merleau ponty is going to say that came from learning, that came from the world. It wasn't actually transcendent there. It was the type of body we have that, uh, that means we only see things in terms of
0: space. Exactly. And I should say this is still a very live issue uh, in linguistics, right? Um, where there's a lot of questions uh, about... How it is that we develop a language. Do we have an a priori capacity to develop human languages, or are they taught to us? Uh, and various empiricists uh, will argue, no, the teaching of language is more important. Uh, and Noam Chomsky, at least up until the 1990s with the Niles Craig Graham, would say, no, uh, you know, the kind of linguistic organ implicit within our brain uh, is what is far more interesting and vital. Uh, so you can map these debates onto a lot of different things, uh, which is one of the reasons I think. They are really important, uh, even if they don't elicit the kind of angry attention, as Eric put it, uh, that our political debates sometimes have, uh, since they're scholarly disputes rather than things like, well, should the rich be eaten alive, uh, or should we sit down and revere them and praise Jeff Bezos for building a spaceship and becoming our new god?
2: So we've, we've got kind of a binary here, and binaries, you know, not good, but they're still useful. We got the empiricists with an active world that is always throwing stuff at us. And then we just kind of receive it and then turn into something and how, how that happens. I don't know. It's magic. And then we have the intellectualists who have an active consciousness and a world that is not active. We have to put our ideas onto the world for it to mean something. And then completing the the, the dialectic, we have Merleau Ponty come in and say, no, they're both active. And they're both passive and a lot of experience is passive habit and a lot. And part of experience is active. So there you go. One, two, cut down the middle.